Welcome to the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. And everybody thought the Marcus Stroman trade was bad. Oh, man. Then came the MLB trade deadline. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadiumscene.tv network and part of the Overtime Media crew. As mentioned, the MLB trade deadline was today. We are recording this Wednesday evening, and I have a feeling a lot of people have a lot to say. So joining me now to discuss all things Toronto Blue Jays in the trade deadline is Richard Burfer of Pitching to Contact. Dude, are you okay? Because like you said, you were a little sad on Twitter. I'm just making sure you're good, bro. I'm doing okay. It's times like this where I wish I was a Houston Astros fan. <laughs> I'm I'm doing good. How are you? Well, um, to say that I'm confused would be an understatement, right? I, I, I'm just a little perplexed as to the nature of some of these moves. And to be fair, right, to be fair to this front office, to be fair to this team, the vast majority of the moves I can make sense of, right? I can make heads or tails over. But it's that one move that you insinuated, the, the Astros move, that I'm just like, I don't know, man. I don't get it. So, but other than yeah. that, I think I think it's all right. Yeah, I, I I like overall. I'm not too frustrated with everything that's that's gone on. Um, I know a lot of people kind of hated the Marcus Stroman trade. Um, Marcus Stroman has been my like MCM for the past <laughs> five years. I loved everything about Marcus Stroman. So like I was a little biased when it came to Stroman, but and. I didn't really know Simeon Woods Richardson um, when the the news initially broke, but I mean, once I watched some video, looked at what other people have said on him, like the kid looks absolutely legit. So I'm not too mad about that trade. It's just this Sanchez Biagini Stevenson trade just kind of came out of nowhere, and it just kind of caught me off guard, and I don't really know how to feel about it just yet. Yeah, it's um. It's something that once it broke. Now I don't know about you. I I, sh- I assume this is true for you as well. Um, being the the baseball aficionado that you are, I assume that you were pretty much glued to Twitter come four o'clock for the deadline, as was I. Um, oh. Yeah, and you know I, I'm constantly refreshing the feed, making sure I don't miss anything. I have Rosenthal and Heyman on alert to make sure that nothing goes through the cracks. Yep. So I see that Biagini's going to the Astros, and I'm like, all right, that's not a big deal, whatever. But then I'm think I see that Sanchez might be included, and I'm like, all right, so this return's going to be pretty good. And uh, it wasn't. And like, yeah. you know, like we can start with that. Well, we can go in reverse order if you want. Sure. Um, yeah, fuck it. The Blue Jays traded Cal Stevenson, which I'm also not happy about. Joe Biagini, which is whatever, Rule 5 investment, it's fine. And Aaron Sanchez, they were traded to the Astros for Derek Fisher, a 25-year-old, pretty much quadruple-A player. Uh, has a line of 286, 401, 522 at the triple-A level. 14 home runs, left-handed hitter, which is what I assume was the most attractive thing about it. Uh, he was a first-round pick in 2014, never really panned out to the hype. No options next season, which is, again, perplexing. Help me out yeah. here. Help me make sense of this. Well, I, I mean, you, 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 you said it right. Be a genius. Okay. I mean, what's the most you can get for a be a genie? Um, with the Aaron Sanchez thing, it's just kind of weird to me that the second it seems like Aaron Sanchez is starting to figure things out, that we immediately trade him. It's it's like I understand eventually probably the idea would have probably been to move him. I just feel like why rush it? It kind of felt a little rushed to me. Um, I really like Cal Stevenson. Um, I think he's going to be a really good big league player one day. Um, it's kind of cool to see what Houston did where they uh, traded away Seth Beer for Zach Greinke and then got another good bat into their system right away in the span right. of five minutes. Like, I think Stevenson has really good bat-to-ball skills, takes walks, and good understanding of the zone, like advanced understanding of the zone for prospect. And you can just tell him in his numbers, too, without even looking at the video. Um, but with Sanchez, it's, 
it's what I what I think will happen because Houston Astros have the best pitching coach in all of baseball. Uh, Brent Storm is gonna Brent Strom is gonna take Aaron Sanchez, and if in the next month he turns them into one of the best relievers in baseball, like we're looking at this trade and like we just got Derek Fisher, you know. <laughs> and um, like that's also not to say that I hate Derek Fisher. Um, it seems like a lot of people are hating on him. Um, Derek Fisher hasn't really gotten a fair shake in the bigs yet simply because he's always slotted behind uh, Springer, Reddick, now Brantley, there's Tucker is in their system. So it, seem, it seems like Derek Fisher never really got a fair shot in the, in the bigs. He's never really had enough time to like really get his feet wet in the big leagues. But, I mean, it seems like the Jays could have gotten a lot more and it seems like if the Jays just kind of st- stuck with Aaron Sanchez, that maybe something better would have happened, you know? Yeah. All right. So when we're talking about the immediate term, right now, this starting pitching staff is completely depleted, right? With Ryan Barucki heading to the IL, Stroman traded, which we'll get to probably last. Um, and now Sanchez on the mood. This is this is depleted rotation. Um, yeah. but. It just it, it it makes me wonder. I feel like if you were just to trade, maybe a be a genie and fine, throwing Stevenson in there as well, you probably could have gotten Derek Fisher, right? You probably could have gotten him for just those two. But when you throw in an Aaron Sanchez, it's just it doesn't make sense to me because it's not the fact that he's getting traded. I knew that was going to happen, or I had a feeling it was going to happen, and I understand the logic of merely deciding to trade Aaron Sanchez, especially with, like, sort of finding some value from his last start. I get it. It's the return. The return doesn't make sense to me at all. Yeah. Well, also, here's the thing. I don't think this trade goes down if Aaron Sanchez isn't included, you know, because I think if I'm Houston, and based on what they've been doing there the past few few years, um, they, they look at a guy like Aaron Sanchez like, okay, one of the highest spin rates on, on his curveball. Electric stuff, fastball that can touch 95, 97 out of the pen, you know. But there's command issues. But, I mean, every now and then, like, Sanchez looks really, really good. So this is the type of reclamation project that the Astros have become known for. Like, they're the types of guys that take a dude with tools, a dude who has great stuff, and just make it work. I don't know if it's going to be in, in as, a, as a starter, especially come October. I think Sanchez is going to start a little bit, but I will be relegated to the bullpen. I just think that this trade just wouldn't have happened without Sanchez. I think Biagini is a nice piece for the Astros, but I think they really wanted Sanchez. And um, Cal St- Stevenson was another guy. I think Biagini is like their last, the last guy they really cared about in that trade. For sure. And it makes me wonder because when you think about teams that are selling or that are labeled as sellers at the deadline, uh, the the impulse is that sellers reap the benefits later and buyers reap the benefits a little bit more in the immediate term. Yeah. There doesn't seem to be a path where the Blue Jays benefit from this if sticking with the avenue of Derek Fisher, right, to keeping that alone. It seems that the outfield right now is, I don't want to say figured out, but Teoscar Hernandez, at least at the plate, is making his presence known as a big leaguer and maybe has some sort of future as a center fielder for the Blue Jays. I don't know about Fisher's defensive upside, but when you look at it, to me, this just is Socrates breed. 2.0 right and when you think about when the blue jays traded for socrates brito and you're having the shuffle in center field with like alfred and hernandez for me it just goes all the way back of well, why the fuck did we trade kevin pilar like it just seems like kevin pilar is better than all of these guys well um just just to uh calm the blue jay fan base down a little bit i think Derek fisher has far more upside than a guy like Burrito, even a guy like Teoscar Hernandez. Like, if you just look at uh, Fangraph, like his, like his, for example, his run tool is rated at 70, which on the 2080 grade, uh, on the 2080 scale, that's elite. Yes. His raw power is rated at 60, which is really good. He just hasn't been able to really transfer it over into in-game power, right? Um, 
I think there's a lot of tools there, which is why he was a first-round pick, something Burrito wasn't, something that, uh, well, T. Oscar was an international sign. But I think there's a lot of tools with a guy like Derek Fisher. He just hasn't really had the time to establish himself in the major leagues. I think, like, look at a guy like Dalton Pompey. I think a lot of Jays fans can agree that Dalton Pompey just didn't really get a fair shake when he was brought up so quickly into the major leagues. And when he got brought up, he just, it was always a tight, short leash, and he just couldn't get established. And he just looks like a guy who needs a fresh start somewhere else. Obviously, he didn't get it because he cleared waivers. But I think Derek Fisher is that sort of candidate that he just needs a fresh start somewhere where he can play every day. And I really hope that because the Jays gave up three guys for a guy like Derek Fisher, I hope that they can just plug him into center field he can play all three outfield positions. He's a pretty good defender. He's not Kevin Pillar, but he's, I would say he's better than a Teoscar Hernandez when it comes to playing center field. He has more speed. He has more range. Um, and I think he can hit a little bit. The one question with Derek Fisher has always been the swing and miss. Right. But at the same time, he just hasn't been around the bigs long enough to just learn what the strike zone is. He doesn't, you know, like he hasn't really gotten a fair shake yet. And he's a first-round pick with first-round tools that was just lost in a shuffle of really, really good established outfielders in Houston. But at the same time, he scored one of the most important runs in Houston Astros history in the playoffs a couple years ago. So there's something there. This is a guy that has played 112 games. Mm-hmm. And over the course over of... seasons. Yes, correct. And over the course of that... It's 110 strikeouts to your uh, point about the swing and miss stuff. And if you want to average that out to 162 games, that's 159 strikeouts on average. Yeah. That screams Kevin Pillar to me, right? That, that just screams what the same thing. Maybe Kevin Pillar's ceiling is not nearly as high, and I'm not saying they're identical players, but for me, it just seems like you're, you're banking on a reclamation project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is essentially what Aaron Sanchez is going to be for Houston. But We're don't you think trading. Sanchez's ceiling is a little bit higher? Um, I, I think what this trade showed was that the Jays kind of gave up on Sanchez a little bit. And I think they, they felt that he needed a fresh start. Just like Sanchez has a plus curveball and a plus fastball, Derek Fisher has plus speed and plus raw power. You know, yeah. like there are tools there that are big league level. They just need to be put all together, and he has to get those reps in. Like, I get your point with Kevin Pillar, but Kevin Pillar was also in the bigs full-time for five, six years with the Jays, and the swing and miss was always there, and he's also a 30th-round draft pick, right? Derek Fisher, who we can just look at his minor league numbers, even in in AAA this year, he's absolutely raking, and he's getting on base, right? But he's... And obviously, there's a big gap between AAA and, and the majors, but... We see this with a guy like Vladdy. Vladdy was striking out is striking out more often on the MLB level than he is in AAA or AA because like the zone is different, the pitchers are different, the stuff is a lot better. But we're letting Vladdy learn the process. We're letting him learn the strike the MLB strike zone. Derek Fisher hasn't really gotten that opportunity yet because he's always playing on and off. He's a he was a fourth outfielder in Houston and playing behind Correa, Red, uh, not Correa, sorry, Springer, Reddick. You know, Marisnik, who's an elite defensive outfielder. So I think this is going to be a good change for him. I don't know how good he's going to be. I can see the tools are there for him to be really good. But it's just time will tell, you know. Do you see a scenario in which because of the forgive this term the hasty nature of this trade and the the name clout surrounding Aaron Sanchez in terms of Toronto Blue Jays fanhood do you see the the front office kind of pushing the envelope here and saying this is our guy for the future and giving him those big league reps at the expense of someone like Teoscar Hernandez may become the beginning of the 2020 mm-hmm. season I mean, I I think it's just going to be a competition now going forward. Um, I know the tough the tough thing is that Teoscar Hernandez has been playing really really well the past like two three weeks. Like he's it, it looks like he's swinging the bat uh, pretty well too. I don't think Teoscar is ever going to 
be able to maintain that. I think he's just a streaky hitter with a lot of holes in the swing, but the power is always going to be there. But so, I mean, it's it's just a uh, it's going to be a toss up now between a guy like Fisher and Teoscar Hernandez. Like I kind of hope that the Jays see what they have in Fisher simply because of what they traded to get him. Um, but it's going to be interesting. The the one name that just seems to not fit now is Grichik because yeah. I think we all kind of know what Grichik is and what he's going to be, but we don't know what Fisher is. We don't really know what Teoscar Hernandez is going to be, although we can assume, and we kind of are starting to look at Billy McKinney and like, okay, this guy's like the odd man out, right. you know? Right. I mean, I guess maybe it's, it's that name clout that I insinuated that makes me feel like maybe they could have gotten a little bit more because, yeah. look, am I glad that he's not, he being Aaron Sanchez, isn't getting this reclamation project with the Yankees, say? Absolutely. Like, I, I, I don't want to see Aaron Sanchez light up the Blue Jays and pinstripes next season. Um even though he'll probably do that with the Astros next season. Um, if there's one team in the American league that I can stomach him going to and, you know, being happy for him that he's going to have an opportunity to go for a postseason run, it's Aaron Sanchez, like I, in, in, in the Houston Astros, it's, it's a good landing spot for him. Um, I guess, would you agree that ostensibly it seemed like the blue Jays should have gotten more? Um, First of all, I do think that Houston's a perfect landing spot for for Sanchez. But yes, I agree that because we're trading reclamation projects, like we had Fisher, they gave uh, we we got Fisher, they got Sanchez, but then we also threw in Biagini, who has been pretty good this year, yeah, and one of our top prospects. So it makes you think, like, okay, what's up here, you know? And like while losing a guy like Cal Stevenson hurts right now. Uh, I kind of feel like with the way drafting is and the way scouting is and the way player development is right now, you can always find another Cal Stevenson in the draft. You know, like while he is a good, he seems like a good hitter with good plate discipline, you can find a Cal Stevenson any year in the draft. So, I mean, we'll get over that in a couple of years unless he becomes Mike Trout, right? But I just feel like they, like if they gave a, like, why, why couldn't we get, like, at least something else, you know, or something on the big league level that can help us fill up innings for this year? Because, obviously, we're going to struggle with that mightily now. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's going to be a rough second half to the season or unofficial second half of the season, but we'll see. Um, all right, let's, let's put a bow on this. Before I do, is there anything else you want to say about the Aaron Sanchez trade in terms of, you know, brightening up the mood of Blue Jays fans? Like, give me, give me something else that is good about Derek Fisher that we could be excited about. Well, I mean, I think I've said everything I could say about a Derek Fisher, but if you heard um, Arash Modani's, um, interview with Ross Atkins afterwards. It seems like the Jays really, really love what Derek Fisher brings on the field. So based on that, I feel like he's going to be given every opportunity to succeed and to show what he's got. But I think this is just an overarching point on all the trades that the Jays have made this this um, deadline. A lot of people seem to be very upset that we haven't gotten like top 100 guys in this in um, in any of these trades. But we also have to consider that it's cool that MLB Pipeline has their own has their own thing. It's cool that Baseball America has their own thing. But the Jays also have their own rankings. Right. And like for example, Simeon Woods Richardson is the number seventh ranked guy according to MLB Pipeline in the Jays system. I think he's good enough to be number four. Like after watching as much video as I watched of him for like three hours a day of the trade, I would even say that he might turn out to be a little better than Eric Pardino with everything that he has, you know? But at this moment, he's not even in the MLB pipeline top 100. So it's unfair to blame the Jays for not getting those type of players that are just so publicly seen in all these ranking sites because we have to understand that each team has their own way of assessing players. And like, if you look at the Jays farm system, they have a ton of talent there. So I think it's safe to say that the Jays really know what they're doing in terms of player evaluation. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
All right, well, you brought it up. Let's get right into it. Let's talk about Marcus Stroman. Um, this was your uh, Man Crush Monday, so yeah. let's uh, let's talk about him on Woman Crush Wednesday. So here's the deal. This is something that I can sort of get behind. Um, I The only criticism I have of this trade um, was the timing of it. Like maybe the Blue Jays could have benefited if they just waited until today. But regardless, I think this is more in line with what you and I talked about a couple of weeks ago in terms of the aspect of training Stroman. Um, a lot of people in their heads had top 100 uh, aspirations when it comes to trading Stroman, but I, I think the return is fair. I really do. do yeah, I really do. You mentioned Simeon Woods Richardson. They got Anthony Kay in the deal. These are the Mets' number four and number six uh, ranked prospects, respectively. Um, neither are ranked within the top 100, but whatever. From what I've been reading and from what I've learned, anything from like 20 onward, onward is just like a, a crapshoot. It doesn't really matter. So... Let me get your initial reaction to how you were feeling about the Stroman trade, and now that you did some research, do you feel a little bit more comfortable with the return that the Blue Jays got? Um, yeah, I'd say so. Like, the main thing with the Stroman trade was just, like, I let my fandom kind of get in the way a little bit. I understand the reasons why a team would, why the Jays would extend him, but I also understand the reasons why the Jays would move him away for younger pieces. Like, Stroman's 28 years old. He wants a big money extension, and he's going to be 30 by the time he's eligible to be a to be a free agent. At that point, all of our kids who we're banking on are all going to still be like 12 years old, you right. know. So a guy like Stroman doesn't really fit. Like you can make a case of why he fits, which is what I kind of did on uh, last time I was on your podcast. But just in hindsight, just based on what the Jays got, it makes sense. And I think the big thing that fans have to understand about this day in Asian baseball is that player development is so much better than it's ever been. So guys that are in the top 100 right now, they're more of a sure thing than they've ever, than they've ever been. Like, when you look at guys like Vladdy Guerrero, Bo Bichette, Taylor Trammell was just traded, uh, Forrest Woodley's, all of those guys that are in the top 100, these guys have been in great player development systems for a few years and they're like teams just know that they're going to pan out at this point right and bec- and i say that because that these guys are going to pan out and they're going to be stars and they're going to be controlled for five six years so a guy like stroman who's 28 has 1.5 years of control and i understand that he's an all-star but would you trade a guy who has potential to be your star for 10 years for 1.5 years of stroman oh yeah you know I think that's the thing, because a lot of Jays fans wanted to get that um, fancy top 100 name that they kind of know but never actually seen video of, like a Garcia from the Yankees, or like I would have loved the Drew Waters. But like I understand that the Braves would never trade a guy like that because they can have an outfield of Acuna, Pache, and Waters for the next 10 years, and they'd be studs, you know? Yeah. So I think based on how player development is, nowadays and how sure of a thing that a lot of these top 100 guys are it's just kind of unrealistic to think that teams are willing to part ways with that future just look at how young the game is right now teams don't give that up like the dodgers were not willing to give up gavin lux for anything this deadline even though they're just there you know the only bruise that i have with this trade is that it you know when they were uh, uh, reportedly talking to the Yankees, they wanted Garcia. Like that was what they demanded from the Yankees. And you could call that a divisional tax. You know, they were trying to aim high when it comes to the, a team within the division. But then they go to a pretty, I don't want to say a shitty prospect team but like it's not nearly as good they're they're more so middle of the pack before this trade the Mets were um mm-hmm. and they I know they they aimed high in terms of their prospect capitals and how the Mets ranked their prospects. But when you extrapolate that around the major leagues, again, much like the Sanchez trade, I am hard-pressed to say that the, the Blue Jays couldn't have done better if they waited to, until today. Well, I mean, here's the thing. This just all goes back to how the Jays use certain prospects. Obviously, Garcia would have been nice. Um, I've seen a lot of Garcia pitch. I kind of like the package that Simeon Woods Richardson presents more than Garcia. Um, And 
even Eno Saris, I don't know if you know him, but Eno Saris is a great writer for The Athletic. He came mm-hmm. on uh, Toronto Radio a couple of days ago. And one of the things he said that he's talked to a bunch of people within within the MLB, and they said that if the 2018 draft was redone today, that Richardson would be a top, top 10. 10. Yeah. yeah. You know? And you look at the video, and you're like, holy shit, like, this guy got legit stuff, and he's still growing, he's still getting stronger, he's only 19, he can touch 97, and he has a hammer of a curveball, and he's 19. I'm 24, and I can barely throw a changeup in beard. <laughs> so, I, I think that I don't even I don't remember your question anymore. I'm sorry, but I think the Jays really, really love this kid. That and Anthony K, great Twitter follower, and he was also in the Future Game. Oh yeah. So that shows that there's something there as well. You know, like I've seen a lot of Twitter takes that that say that he's probably going to be a solid three or four in the rotation. But I mean, if Richardson can become like a frontline ace or a really good frontline pitcher. And you also get a number three or number four. That's pretty solid for 1.5 years of Strowman. Yes, yes, and I think that is where the the disconnect is occurring with some Blue Jays fans. You can call them a vocal minority on yeah. on Twitter, right? Because there's a cognitive dissonance when you look at the Marcus Stroman trade and try to compare it to that of the Trevor Bauer trade or the Zach Ranke trade. Yeah, I understand Stroman is the number one or was the number one pitcher for the Blue Jays. Okay, he's not an ace. He's nowhere near the level of a Trevor Bauer or a Zach Greinke. It's just not there. He's not that kind of pitcher. If even in the Mets system, I'd say three at best, and maybe that's being generous in that rotation. He might even be the number four, right? Well, so, when, what would you, you, you think? I mean, in in the years that he's been healthy, his WAR was always in the top thirty. Mm-hmm. amongst starting pitchers. So, I mean, that would suggest that he's a pretty solid number one and a exceptional number two. I think Stroman's pretty good, but definitely agree that he's not on that level of a Trevor Bauer or a Zach Greinke, even though Trevor Bauer has had a little bit of an off year compared to what he did last year. Yeah, but the dude can throw it to center like no other. Yeah. <laughs> so... Oh, yeah, dude, that was awesome. I love that so much. The immediate like, face the last... of regret. It was just... if that's the last pitch that guy threw as the Indians. Like, if you know Trevor Bauer and if you like follow his stuff on social media, that's the way it was supposed to end. And but the thing with Trevor Bauer, like, I'm not a big fan of Franny Reyes. I think he's just a big power hitting DH. Yeah. I think Yasiel Puig is just a streaky hitter, kind of like a Teoscar Hernandez. Um, I think Trevor. What separates Trevor Bauer from a guy like Stroman is Trevor Bauer has top five stuff in all of baseball oh yeah and that's statistical like for example my uh, one of my uh supervisors at in grad school def- uh, created something called a stuff metric and using that stuff metric he's determined that bauer has top, i think he's top three in stuff in all of baseball among starters that's better than bueller that's better than serger that's better than Syndergaard. and that's that's elite company right yeah it's the number one top vertical break on his curveball He's in the 99th percentile for fastball velocity. He sits around 95, 96 miles per hour during starts. You know, he strikes out guys, which is something Stroman doesn't do. So that all that shows is that, I mean, Trevor Bauer, even even though there's like the ERA numbers, Bauer could be a lot better than Stroman down the stretch and especially in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where the disconnect lies because you can say that, you know, you you can't extrapolate this and say, well, the the Diamondbacks number one pitcher fetched the backs this or the Indians number one pitcher fetched them this. It it's all about talent. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Stroman. He just doesn't have that sort of stuff as you mentioned that either of those pitchers have. And I think within the New York Mets system, if they're really going to go for it, like I think that's entertaining that they're trying to go for it and there's a case to be made they're what six five games out of a wild card and 11 games out of the division whatever that's reminiscent to how the blue jays were in 2015 Mm -hmm. i think they were 10 games out come the trade deadline and they made that big push but they had also had troy Tulowitzki. but regardless like i do think that it's a good fit for him but I'm happy with the return. I think that it, it it helps the Blue Jays with their thin or their previously thin pitching uh, depth in the minor league system. Um, 
I kind of want to get your take on this reported outburst by him uh, being pissed off that he wasn't traded to an obvious contender. It just seems like maybe this is the the, the way it, was, it should have ended, like this bad breakup between the Blue Jays and Stroman. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that was kind of ugly. Um, I don't really know exactly what happened. If that was the case, then, I mean, it's a business. Right. You got to suck it up and go wherever you're traded to. Like the Jays don't owe you don't owe you anything. They're not supposed to trade you to the Yankees. They're not supposed to trade you for the Astros. You know, they traded you to the place where they think they got the most back that they possibly could. So if that was the reason. I don't know, but I just feel the way that this whole showman situation was handled. I don't think anybody was in the right. I think there is a lot of ugliness that happened on both sides, but that that's business. That's what sports is. That's what baseball is. It all comes down to a business, and sometimes it gets ugly, you know, and you have to be able to handle that professionally, which it seems like it wasn't at the very end at the finish line. Do you buy these reports or put a lot of stock in the reports, I'll phrase it, of the Blue Jays having extension conversations with Stroman's representation? I mean, I'm sure there was some conversation. Like, there had to have been. The guy became an all-star. I think it would be foolish for the Jays to not be like, hey, let's sit down and talk about potential extension. I just feel like they weren't anywhere close to what, like, both sides wanted. I I feel like Stroman thought that he was the number one guy, and the Jays thought, no, he wasn't because they have a guy like Nate Pearson coming up, and they want their reins to be given to all these kids, you know? And I think... I mean, both both sides kind of have points, but it seems like what the Jays are really starting to do right now is they're just going full-blown rebuild, just giving every single young guy they have a chance. And in the next, like, right now they're going to suck, but, I mean, Nate Pearson, Klopfenstein is going to be coming up, Pardino, Zoic yeah. as, as well. You know, like, it just doesn't make sense for Stroma to be paid like a ace, you know, in his 30s. No, I agree. I agree. You don't want to have that five-year contract on the books because it might come back to bite you. But, um, all right, to put a bow on the Stroman talk, do you think that this was a perhaps sell-high opportunity for the Blue Jays? And, you know, in hindsight, maybe a year down the line, do you think we'll say, "Mm, we're kind of better off without him? Yeah, well, I mean... Based on all the talent that we have on the pitching side now, I think it benefits us. And based on what the timeline seems to be like for the Jays, it seems like it's a trade that's going to benefit the Jays. I think this trade was kind of more of a head-scratcher for the Mets because the Mets have one of the worst infield defenses in all of baseball. Oh, yeah. And Stroman has the highest ground ball rate. So it's just kind of a, kind of like a head-scratcher. So, like, why would you do that, you know? It doesn't make much sense. There are also rumors today that the Mets tried to flip Stroman for Garcia and uh, Floreal with the Yankees, and the Yankees were just like, no, you know? So they essentially got Stroman, tried to do the exact same thing the Jays tried to do, and got a no. So, I mean, I think the Jays are really happy with what they got. And I think, moreover, I think they're really happy to be moving on from this. It kind of, like, the vibe I've gotten after these past few days is that um, Ross Atkins and Shapiro just kind of want to be completely done with all the Alex and Topless leftovers and just start fresh. Like, this, it's starting to really feel like this is their team now as Sanchez and Stroman are gone and Smoke, is his contract's going to be expiring. So it seems like it's going to start anew, you know? Gotta give, uh, you gotta, you gotta pull the heartstrings when it comes to smoke because I thought he was a gone, a goner. But look, yeah. when it comes to Stroman and Sanchez, and obviously we mentioned smoke, but he's still on the team. The remnants of the 2015 team, uh, it's almost completely eradicated. So, um, it sucks that Stroman had to go. I understand that he was a, a big fan favorite, and he he did the PR thing just amazing right trying to get the the jays fanhood on the side and he did it effectively um but it had to come to an end and hopefully these two prospects can uh prosper in the blue jays system completely agree i really this is more of a wait and see approach and i think that's the main reason why jays fans are so antsy and angry it's simply because they gave up these brand names for people they've never even heard of so all the people who are mad about 
uh, Richardson and Kay and Fisher and just being all angry about him. They've all they've done is just gone to baseball reference, looked at their stats, and they're like, no, you know. But they've never seen any video of these guys, have never watched them play. Maybe they don't even know how to evaluate prospects or talent. So it's just kind of like your 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 evaluation of this trade is coming from nothing. It's the fact that you've seen Stroman do it, and you haven't seen these guys do it. But I mean, one of them's 19, another one hasn't pitched over AAA. You know, Stroman's 28. Right, he's going to be twenty nine. You know, the one thing. So I, I think it's this is how rebuilds work. It takes some time. It's happened like the Houston Astros. They were trash for a long time. Oh yeah, <laughs> Atlanta Braves. They were trash for a long time. The Chicago White Sox are trash for a while now. But now you're seeing like Eloy Jimenez come up, Dylan Cease come up, Nick Madrigal is a super prospect, just got called up to AAA. They have Andrew Vaughn, Vaughn who just got called up to high A. Like you see things are coming together similar to how it is to the Blue Jays. So I think it's all just about patience now. Like the Jays clearly believe in the, their young core of hitters, and they clearly believe in all the young core of pitchers that they have in their minors. So now it's just a wait-and-see approach. They want these guys to all come together show them what they can do on the major league level. And the Jays are just trying to not spend money on the major league level because right now they don't completely know what they have yet, right? Yeah. And that's, that's something that Ross Atkins said in his interview is that in two, three years, they're going to have more money than anybody and more young players than anybody. And that's important because after that, when you have all this talented youth that's ready to win and you have all this money, then you can bring in top-notch free agents. If you committed to a say a Stroman long term and these guys don't pan out, well now you're just investing in a thirty three year old pitcher and your prospects who came up kind of suck. But you're losing out on flexibility because Stroman's getting old and he's getting paid a lot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it comes down to how the the front office is gauging the direction of the future with this team and the direction that they want to go in terms of building a youth system. And I don't disagree with it right now, as long as it pans out. Now if it doesn't, they're gonna get crucified. But as long as it pans out, uh I, I think this is just gonna be a blip on the radar. Yeah, for sure. Like as much hate as they're getting right now. And, like, I wasn't happy with the Sanchez trade because I felt like we could have gotten at least one more piece. I didn't expect, like, a great piece, but I expected, like, something that can maybe even help us on the big league side yeah. just to get through the year. But the Jays and really didn't touch anything that they're building around, right? They have everything they need right now. It's just a waiting game. They're moving. They're essentially moving all the pieces that are kind of crowding crowding the lineups and they're letting their young kids get as much run as possible. In two years, they become really, really good. Nobody's going to care about this. No, I think that I think that makes sense. And I think that, you know, when it comes to winning, winning cures everything, right? And exactly. you you look at you know, the big moves. I still think there's this recency bias when it comes to what Alex Anthopoulos did. And people, when it comes to to trades, I feel like there's a certain por portion of the fan base that are like, well, this trade isn't a success because it hasn't benefited this team immediately. And I think there's a disconnect there about how you're supposed to evaluate, engage, successful trades. Yeah. But every team is different. Every GM is different. For the majority of the time Alex Antopoulos has been here, he kind of mortgaged the, the Jays. He, he brought in a ton of big money contracts. And a lot of those trades weren't that good. A lot of people wanted him out the door yeah. a year before we blew up, you know? And that year we blew up, we brought in the right pieces that kind of got us to that playoff spot. And he made those trades. Maybe it's to secure a job. Maybe it's because he thought that the run differential thing suggests that we should be a lot better. So he traded a few pieces from the farm to compete, you know? The Jays aren't there yet. It's, an, it's unfair to compare what the Jays have now to what Alex Antopoulos has had then because it just com it's completely different scenarios, so it just doesn't even make sense to do, you know? This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, let's move on to the remaining trades. And this isn't to downplay any of the, the contributions that these players made. Uh, but at the end of the day, they're all Jags, man. They're all just a guy, right? And, yeah. you know, um, 
they're all pretty much reclamation projects that, again, the fan base wasn't happy about when they were signed in the offseason, and they turned into something, hopefully, that's going to brighten the spirits later on. So let's start with Eric Sogard. Man, I remember the shit that the Blue Jays got when they signed Eric Sogard to a minor league deal and an invite to spring training. Yeah. Well, um, he was flipped for two players to be named later. I only thought there was only one guy named player to be named later, but there's two must be twins. Um, must be. I don't, I don't know what that's going to turn into. I don't know if anything was announced as far as I know, it hasn't been, but um, the writing was on the wall for this. This is an ultimate Tampa Bay Rays kind of move. Mm-hmm. A poor team who has to do this kind of shit. Yeah. But dude, this is the type of shit that I mean. Like a lot of these fans, once little things happen, they get so angry, but they don't even know anything. Yeah, you know, like Eric Eric Soger comes in and they're grabbing their pitchforks, but every single MLB team does the exact same thing. Before spring training, they hire they they sign three different Eric Sogards and hope one of them pans out and makes the major league ro- the major league roster and does something. You know, we had that too. We had Eric Sogard, we had Drury, we had a couple other guys that I don't even remember at this point. We had Richard Urania at one point. <laughs> Sogard was the one who panned out. This happens to every single team. Yeah. You know? And you can thank Devin Travis for getting hurt again because if it wasn't for Devin Travis being on the shelf, uh, Eric Sogard may have never gotten the opportunity here. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Like, I'm very happy with how the Jays handled the those types of guys like Hudson, Sogard. Hopefully we get something nice for Sogard, um, David Phelps as well. You know, this stuff happens every year. Right? Like they got nice pieces for it. If anything, it's minor league depth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you touched on it. David Phelps plus cash. So they are pretty much saying to the Chicago Cubs, we will pay you to take him. I'm kidding. Um, David Phelps plus cash uh, traded to the Cubs in exchange for double A righty Thomas Hatch. Uh, the Blue Jays tapped the hatch and they uh, bought low on Phelps this offseason, just like Sogard. One year, two and a half million dollar contract was able to flip that again for some pitching depth in double A, probably going to shift right over to New Hampshire pretty good the numbers don't jump out for those that want to go to baseball america and like dig deep into into thomas hatch but depth is depth you never know if this guy can become a pretty decent bullpen piece just like david phelps was well guess what you didn't lose anything and it's cheaper yeah and honestly i've never seen that dude pitch in my life i did see a little bit of video before like a year ago of um of the guy the Jays got from the Nats for Daniel Hudson. Mm. And honestly, that kid's not that bad. You know, like I, I've seen, I've seen, I believe MLB Pipeline has him ranked like 29th or 28th in the Nats system. 27. Sorry? 27. There we go. I've yeah. seen some other uh, prospect ranking sites have him as low, as high as 2021. 20, I think he's, right now he's a starter, so you can see it, like his numbers aren't as good, but on a major league level, he just looks destined to be a reliever because he has two plus pitches. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's something you can work with. The big thing with trading these rental guys like Daniel Hudson, like these rental relievers that are not like the top level relievers, is you want to receive a prospect who has tools that you can work with and develop. And with a guy like they got, I think his name is Kyle Johnston, right? Yeah. With a guy who has like a fastball and a cutter, that's two pitches that are projected to play on the major league level. So if he can control that, he can be a pretty legit starter. Uh, sorry, a pretty le- legit reliever, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I've read some reports that his absolute ceiling is mid-rotation. That means that he can definitely stick in a reliever role, assuming everything goes just perfectly well, you know? And yeah. that's all, because that's what Daniel Hudson is. He, Daniel Hudson is at this point of his career. He's a guy with two legit plus pitches, you know? And he makes it work for an inning. Yeah. All the all these signings in the offseason were low risk, right? They were all reclamation projects and there's not a single player of these three, they being Sogard, Phelps, and Hudson, that the Blue Jays did not have this type of scenario in mind come the deadline, right? Like this exactly. this is what it was. And Hatch for his credit, he's pretty good. He's starting in double A. He has a hundred innings pitch. I, I like the stats that you find on Baseball Americas, and it's not that bad. Like, he's got almost eight and a half strikeouts per nine. He's averaging th- um, 
what is it? 3.3 walks per nine and 1.17 home runs per, per nine. It's pretty yeah, good. Solid. Yeah, That's yeah. 35.2% ground ball rate. Not bad. For sure. Like, if there's one piece of advice I can give to fans, it's when you're looking at prospects, never look at the ERA. That's like when you're a 19 year old kid and you have an ERA of like six, but you throw 97 with a hammer and your K per nine is like 14. That means there's something there, but he's not a finished product, which is why he's in the minor leagues. You know, like I think like with Richardson, I think he's his ERA is like around five this year. Right. But I think he's also has 97 K's and like 75 or whatever. And he's pitched. That means he can blow the ball by people, and he can get people to swing, and that's a tool. You know, you just, he just has to put it all together. So fans never look at the ERA. When it comes, yeah, when it comes to um, how this organization has been utilizing these little risks uh, reclamation projects, and how we're projecting maybe a window of opportunity to come to compete, maybe 2021, 2022 area. Do you see them utilizing the strategy maybe for one more year to really bolster this system moving forward? Yeah. I mean, why not? You know, like they're not obviously not going to be competing next year. They're still just going to be bringing in like their pitching guys like Nate Pearson, um, maybe Patrick Murphy, uh, who knows. Um, TJ Zuck will probably be, be up by next year too. So I think next year is just going to be another important year of development. So you're going to have to bring in those Eric Silgards just to fill spots in the lineup. And then by the time August rolls around, well, why not move up for something, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it makes mm-hmm. sense. Because here, here's the important thing. Like, obviously, all these top-notch prospects that the Jays have aren't all going to be with this team when they're all fully developed, you know? Like, Ross Atkins said today that they have 20 guys in their farm who can be legitimate MLB starters. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, but you can only, only have five. Five or six, <laughs> yeah. you know? We need five and, like, a couple in the minors in case something blows up, you know? We don't need all that. So just getting those prospects will help us down the line in like four or five years when the Jays are just on the footstep of competing and they need that big name and at the deadline to trade for. Maybe they can be the Houston Astros in four years where they have all these really good talent, all this really good talent that they can just move for Zach Greinke. You know, like J.B. Bukowskis is a really, really good arm, but it just seems with Forrest Whitley down there and what they have on their main roster, it just doesn't make sense. You might as well move him for Zach Greinke. Maybe the Jays are going to be able to do that in four or five years, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, it could be worse. And I, I don't – it's it's good to have these chips in the bag to use as capital because, let's yeah. face it, and you know this, man. You know the game. A lot of these players just don't pan out. Like, all prospects are risk. Like, you can have highly touted prospects like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. or Bobachette that are more of a quote-unquote sure thing. But after that, dude, after that – like top tier prospects, it's really just a crapshoot. Any of them can just fall. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, especially that's that's exactly what the draft is. The draft is a complete crapshoot. Like at least when they get to the minors and they start being developed by minor by MLB teams, then you can kind of get a better sense of what these guys are going to be. But when you just take them out of high school, like oh, this seventeen year old throws ninety five and he has an ERA of 0.5, he's going to be really good. Well, like, yeah, everybody throws 95 now. You don't yeah. know. Yeah. You know? He's, he's playing in high school against kids. One of them is going to play D1 one day, and the others are just going to go to college and become doctors. Meanwhile, this kid's blowing 95 by them when they're <laughs> 17, you know? So I don't know where I'm going with this, but... Uh, Not all prospects pan did. out. That's what there we're saying. There we go. There we go. That's the point. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, let's wrap a bow on this. I want to discuss, you know, something that will hopefully ease the minds of all those that are freaking out, and then we can get into predictions and call it a day. I want to talk about the organizational philosophy, right? Right. This we touched on it when it comes to signing these low-risk reclamation projects, but outside of that. 
There seems to be this sense that you touched on that this organization right now, this regime, is trying to sort of purge away, whether intentionally or not, anything Alex Anthopoulos. I don't think it's as vindictive as I made it sound. I think it's just they want to put their own stamp on it and have their fingers right into the dough to really knead it up. So... When you look at this direction that the front office is taking, please talk fans off the ledge and say everything's going to be fine and this is just part of the plan, unless you disagree with that point. Go ahead. Well, here, here's the thing with the Blue Jays. The plan is Lottie, Bo, Kevin, Lourdes, Jansen, Pearson, all those guys. Those guys are still here, and they're not good enough and not fully developed enough yet for this team to compete. We knew what the plan was going into this season. We knew that there was a big chance that Sanchez wouldn't be around, that Stroman won't be around when this next wave comes. This wave is still here, it's, and a big part of it is still coming. And we're seeing a lot of potential that this group of people, of this group of players could have. We're seeing it with Vladdy, with how well he's starting to do now, with how Bo Bichette just exploded out of the minors, you know? So if you're a Jays fan, you understood that this all is going to be a trying season. It's going to be rough. Losing is never fun. L- losing guys who have just been mainstays on your roster is never fun. But you ha- when you're a rebuilding team, you have to have that long-term vision. And you're seeing it unfold right in front of your eyes when you turn the TV on on August 1st. You know? How much of this is due to the impatience of Blue Jays fans? Like, if they were in in an in-between phase and it wasn't such an an obvious rebuild uh, period, do you yeah. think that... And these moves were the same. Well, I guess they wouldn't be the same because they wouldn't be trading these guys. But yeah. if they weren't nearly as bad as they are, do you think the level of angst would be just as high? Well, I mean... Losing sucks, so I understand that. But the worst place you can ever be in sports is right in the middle. Yeah. The Jays are, meaning they have so they have one of the best farm systems in baseball. And all, they have a lot of guys that are supposed to pan out. Like, all, obviously, a lot of them won't. But we just have so much talent down there that we should expect a good number of them to pan out. You never want to be in the middle, which is kind of what the Jays were like when I was younger, you yeah. know, when they had like the Vernon Wellses, the Delgados, um, Roy Halliday, and like a bunch of crappy pitchers behind them. Um, you know, that's what you never want. When you finish the season with like 79, 82 wins and you're not good enough to compete and you're not bottom, bottoming out at all and you have all these like big like contracts and guys that just don't really fit for the future, that's what you don't want. So if you're the Jays, you want to be here, then like a few levels up. Yeah, I would I would think that's the same in a lot of sports, if not all of them, right? You don't want to be that third tier, I mean that middle tier kind of season that you're having a middle of the pack draft pick, even though again those are all crapshoots, but you're not really chasing for anything. Um, I guess the wild card does the addition of the second wild card does change that up just a bit. But even if you're outside of that and not in the basement, um, it's kind of gray at that point. I'd rather like have this version of tank for Zion and really go for it and have a system that can be consistently solid. And I think that's what I mean, this is what they've been saying they were about since the onset, right? As mm-hmm. soon as um, Shapiro had his introductory presser, he said the, the name of the game and the goal is to have a consistent contender. And I know it doesn't seem like that's the case right now. I totally get that. But come 2022 when these kids and you're seeing glimpse of it right now, as you mentioned, the Guerreros, the Bichettes, the Biggios, the Jansons, the Lord Scariels, you see them with these flashes of greatness once that becomes more consistent and once they really dig their heels into the mlb i think we're going to have a really fun time with this team Mm -hmm. yeah and that's the thing and you you hit the nail on the head like you never want to be in that gray area because at that point you're like what the hell is this team doing like what's the plan here we're entering the season and like are we trying to compete for a playoff spot are we trying to sell like what's the plan here at least with the jays we know exactly what's going on like, even though some trades might make us, like, a little angry, like, in the grand scope of things, this Aaron Sanchez trade won't matter that much unless Derek Fisher becomes a star. If he doesn't, it's just, like, whatever. 
Yeah. Two years, it won't matter that much, you know? But, like, the good thing is that we know what the plan is. And when you know what the plan is, it means there's a vision and the team is building towards it, you know? And in three, four years, hopefully it happens. Like, what, like you said, Mark Shapiro wants the Jays to be consistent contenders. They're going to, it's going to happen if these kids pan out. Because if these kids pan out and 2022, they're all like 23, 25, you have them in their primes for the next five, six years, and they're going to be cheap too, most oh, yeah. of them, because they just came out, you know? Then you're just going to be, you're going to be handed the same situation as the Astros are in right now, same situation the Cubs were in. You know, the Atlanta Braves are a mirror image of what the Jays are trying to be. And the, the Atlanta Braves just kind of did it a couple of years earlier. Yeah. Because the Jays were 2015, 2016, they were trying to win. We're just a couple of years behind. Yeah. But relax. Look at what the Braves are doing. Well, let's talk about wins right now. Let's wrap this up with a few predictions. Um, they're heading into the weekend facing Baltimore in Baltimore for three, and then they travel to Tampa Bay for three uh, to start the beginning of next week. These are two AL East teams, so uh, I guess it's a big deal for the for the Tampa Bay Rays, but otherwise for the Blue Jays and the and the Orioles, it's not really a big deal. But for the for the fuck of it, let's just do it. Three games in Baltimore. I got them winning two. Um. Yeah, I'll give them two. Why not? I think, I think what the Jays have going on right now with Bo Bichette up is exciting. Yeah, I think Bo Bichette is sick. Yeah, dude, his he, he just makes stuff happen. Oh, he yeah. makes stuff happen. Like when he gets on base, like you just see, like he's always going to be making stuff happen. It's not just at the plate, like a Vladdy. Like this dude just looks awesome all over the place. He looks super comfortable. Like, he looks yeah. like he's been there before. And I don't know if that is part of the genetic aspect of him, but he, you can tell that he wanted this debut to be memorable. And, my God, that home run today, I was just like, this is the perfect way to wrap up your debut. Perfect. Dude, that's the thing. Hitters hit. Doesn't matter where they are. Yeah. Bichette is a hitter. Yeah. And he's going to hit no matter where he is. All right, as I mentioned, they head over to Tampa Bay to start next week for three. Uh, look, with the pitching depth as thin as it is and Tampa Bay pe being pretty good in turning heads, I'm going to be generous and say the Blue Jays are going to take one of those. Um, I, think the, I think the Rays are going to sweep them. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? I mean, Just it's the house kinda, of horrors. So. Yeah, it's more so after the Jays win two games against Baltimore, let's get Bichette a little humbled, you know? <laughs> There we go. Uh, you never played at the trot, man. You don't know. You don't know what goes on no, there. And then it just. That place is so ugly. I feel I so bad for Sober. Uh, yeah, but he's the new Ben Zobris. So it kind of like fits right this in. Yeah. There we go. All right. Well, there you go. The The trade deadline has come and gone. Hopefully this episode has eased your worries and eased the sense of anxiety that you may have regarding the future of this team. That being said, Rich, thank you for hopping on such short notice. I appreciate it very much. As always, the floor is yours. Promote any and everything you got going on where people can find you on Twitter. All your work, dude, go for it. Awesome. Well, first of all, Adam, thank you again for having me. I love being on your show. Love talking baseball. It seems like everybody in Toronto is still talking about the Raptors. So it's kind of nice to find somebody to talk about baseball because that's my passion. Oh, yeah. um, anyways, um, you can find me on Twitter at Richard Burks. Um, I just got my first publication with my supervisors, Dr. Michael Son, Dr. Michael Holmes. The publication is a systematic review on what happens to a baseball pitcher as he fatigues. So that's an interesting thing. It's on my Twitter. Um, I just, I just recorded my own um, podcast talking about the, um, talking about the deadline. And we're also going to be recording another episode in a couple of weeks um, when we're going to have a special guest who is a minor leaguer on the in the Blue Jays system. So that should be really fun too. Nice. All right. So. The links for Rich's Twitter, the podcast, everything will be in the description of the show. If you're listening to this on an iOS device, before you leave a five-star review, tap the screen, tap the artwork of the show. It will bring you to the description much faster, and it will bring you to the Twitter links and everything much faster. It's just a, a tap away, but leave those five-star reviews. But otherwise, dude, it's great having you on. Thank you for talking us all off a ledge, and uh, go Blue Jays, man. There we go. Go Jazz.
Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and to subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors. Raptors.